This is Undiscovered. Hey, Annie and Ella here. Mm-hmm. We are, of course, between seasons of Undiscovered right now, but we are popping back for a hot second because recently we got an intriguing question from a listener on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So this past season, we had an episode about what saved the whales. Yep. So how we went from thinking of whales as these scary beasts of the sea to completely going bananas for them. <laughs> and it turns out a key turning point was figuring out that whales sing. So that episode got one of our listeners, his name is is Bob Collum, thinking, okay, if whale song saved the whales, what saved the cats? Because we didn't always love cats either. And cats do not have a haunting or mystical song, I would hazard. <laughs> Definitely a, a, a glimpse of the divine in that. So the question is, where did this love of cats come from? We dug into it. We talked to a cat history buff. Mm-hmm. Fascinating conversation. Turns out not a lot of science to it, but (laughs) (laughs) at Undiscovered, we love a good history saga. And we have that answer. So we called up Bob. Hello. Hey, Bob. Yep. And Bob, side note, has a completely fascinating job. So wait, so do you work for NASA? Is that right? I, I do. I'm at NASA headquarters in the Mars Exploration Program. I work on the human landing site study. Basically, we're, we're trying to pick what the best and most interesting place to put humans on Mars is. Ooh, um, what are the contenders? Uh, well, right now it's the whole planet. Uh, I am personally interested in the Aeolus Mons area. The closest site that was submitted would be a huge ancient volcano. It's actually the largest volcano by aerial extent in the solar system. So I, I, I think that would be a fun spot to land. But. I just had a vision of you, Bob, as like an intergalactic real estate agent. <laughs> Great school district as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Bob, we got your tweet. This was inspired by the whales episode, correct? Yes. What, did, what happened when you listened to the whales episode that made you think about cats? Well, I just hadn't ever realized that we at one point hated whales. It's a little bit strong. We were agnostic. And then then reflecting on it, it, like how the relationship with whales changed over time, I was reminded of a story I I heard. It was telling basically the same story about cats. It was totally acceptable to kill a cat. They were associated with, you know, witches and devil worship and dark arts. And I don't know what changed, but now we... You know, you're you're a total monster if you hurt a cat. So what would you want to ask the cat historian? How did we go from hating cats to loving cats? And and what was there a specific catalyst that, that changed that relationship? Catalyst! catalyst. Oh, <laughs> was, that, was that deliberate? That was not, no. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll with it like it was. So we have an answer to your question. We talk to the cat historian. All right. His name is Joshua Mark. I am Joshua J. Mark of Ancient History Encyclopedia. I I don't think he would call himself a cat historian, to be clear. (laughs) Well, I was rather sucked into it, actually, because my wife was a huge cat fan, and my daughter is a huge cat fan. They're, They're both cat maniacs. So first of all, Josh confirmed that you were right, that we used to really super hate cats. Oh. 
And uh, just just to be clear, by we, I mean mostly Europeans, because you know we didn't do a full sweep of the entire history of, of the world's relationship to cats. But <laughs> Europeans definitely, definitely hated cats. And the low point was in the Middle Ages. The 13th and the 14th centuries especially. We do know that there seems to have been this decimation of the cat population in Europe. We know that in the 13th century, there were 79 cats that were rounded up and just killed in Cambridge, England. And we know that in other places, that same sort of thing happened. So the obvious question is why we hated cats so much. And basically, Josh says it had to do with the church. When Christianity is trying to gain a foothold, it has to demonize the previous belief system. So anything which was once held sacred by the pagans now becomes uh, linked with the devil. So the thinking here was that the devil was actually a very big-time cat lover. He'd do anything to protect them, which led people to do some pretty twisted things to cats. If you were angry with your neighbor, let's say, you would grab a cat. Wait, how strong are you when it comes to horrific cat torture? I'm, I'm pretty good. Okay. I, I would read uh, Wikipedia articles on serial killers. <laughs> okay, so this might be along those lines. Where If you were angry with your neighbor, let's say, you would grab a cat and you would roast it over a spit. Now, the cat had to be alive for this to work because the cat's screams would summon the devil. And once the devil came, because the devil was so fond of cats, he would ask you to please put the cat out of its misery and he would give you whatever you wanted. So this is sort of like a three wishes sort of deal. And you would then say, yeah, I want you to take care of my neighbor who's encroaching on my land rights. And Satan would say, great, I'll take care of that. And then you would kill the cat and you would get your wish. Ugh. Yeah. I, what happened when the devil didn't show up? You just kept killing cats? <laughs> well, I think the devil reliably loved cats. Oh. Could be counted on. Uh. But anyway, your actual your actual question was about, about the saving of the cat, right? You wanted to right. know... How did, where, where did we make that transition back? So according to Josh, a few turning points, but the big one was the Protestant Reformation. Once you have the Protestant Reformation of the uh, 16th and 17th centuries, the, the church's power is broken. You no longer have this unified vision of what it means to be a Christian. Now, you know, you can believe pretty much anything within reasonable boundaries about your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And human beings can now rely on reason. And during the Enlightenment, people begin to see the cat as a kind of uh, embodiment of cleanliness and self-sufficiency. Because <laughs> of all the licking? Because uh, of the licking. Absolutely right. Yes. And with dogs and cats, they both make out really well during the Enlightenment. We have cat and dog collars and jackets and little name plates that they put on the collars from that time. Yeah. Jackets. Little jackets. By this point, cats are not just these animals that we tolerate anymore. They've graduated to become full-on pets. But then something happens that's actually even bigger. And it happens in the 19th century with a discovery in Egypt. In 1824, Jean-Francois Champollion deciphers the Rosetta Stone. So now hieroglyphics are known to be a language. And now people can understand the culture of Egypt. And once they understand the culture of Egypt, they understand that Egyptians worship the cat. Europeans become obsessed with ancient Egyptian culture and, by extension, obsessed with cats. Cats get a celebrity spokesperson, Queen Victoria. She gets herself two Persian blues, and these two cats become famous. A popular lifestyle magazine in the U.S. starts touting cats as pets, saying, 
you know, they're not just for royalty anymore. Anybody can have a cat. And pretty soon, everybody does. Like, cats everywhere. That is, that is everything. That is what we learned. You, like you, so you, we've told you some very horrible things and wonderful things. Was this whirlwind tour of, of cat abuse and, and glory uh, pleasant for you? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if pleasant's the word I'd use, but uh, yeah, that's very interesting. I never thought about the, the licking in particular is, uh, is an interesting turning point. Wait, so do you have cats, Bob? I, I do. I have three cats. Um, do any of your cats practice the dark arts? Do they live up to their <laughs> reputation? Um, I, they definitely still have that in their blood. They raid our cabinets for carbohydrates. Their favorite thing is to eat through the entire stack of tortillas. I wouldn't <laughs> mind as much if they just pulled out one tortilla, but instead there's just a nibble through the entire, every single tortilla in the stack. <laughs> So they're, they're definitely still villains uh, at heart. This episode was reported and produced by Caitlin Swaljay with help from me, Ella Fetter. And me, Annie Minoff. Our senior editor is Christopher Intagliata. Our composer is Daniel Peterschmidt. I am Robot and Proud, wrote our theme. If you have a question you would like us to answer, email us. We're at undiscovered at sciencefriday.com. And if you want to learn more about the history of cats, we have Joshua's article from Ancient History Encyclopedia on our website. That's at undiscoveredpodcast.org. And we're going to try to come back as soon as we can with season three. So sit tight. We'll see you soon. Cats were highly revered in Egypt. And when a cat died in the house, the, uh, the people would shave their eyebrows as a sign of mourning. And, and you only came out of that state of mourning when your eyebrows grew back. Goodness. Or if you didn't like it much, you just do one eyebrow. I don't know. <laughs> Half an eyebrow. Just the yeah. middle part. Have two very far apart tiny eyebrows. <laughs>